This is Sound and Vision from KEXP in Seattle. I'm Emily Fox. Well, Sunday was International Women's Day, so today on the show we are highlighting some badass ladies making music. Coming up in 10 minutes, Soccer Mommy will explain how her new album was organized into different colors to represent different moods. It starts with blue, which is sadness and depression, loneliness. The front woman from Best Coast will talk about how her journey to sobriety has made her happier and helped her connect more to music. I feel like a lot more connected to the songs. I feel a lot more connected to my voice. I feel a lot more connected to the audience. Like, it's just a whole different ballgame for me now. Fanagram will talk about their new record and how one song was a reflection on seeing so many suicides, overdoses, and school shootings on the news. And thinking that the thought of somebody knowing that person, seeing that person's name and face, and seeing that they died. But first, we're going to hear how Washington State's new paid family leave law is impacting musicians in the gig economy. Rachel Stevens has a story. In America, one in four mothers returns to work just two weeks after giving birth. That's actually the national average of paid parental leave. Two weeks is not a lot of time. But with a new program, parents may get more paid time off to bond with their baby. Washington State voters passed a law in 2017 that would implement a paid family and medical leave program. This program officially started at the beginning of 2020, and it applies to all workers in Washington, including those in the music industry. That's Vanessa Ressler, a.k.a. DJ Baby Van Beasley, singing Lady Gaga's Bad Romance while eight months pregnant with her second child. Vanessa's a DJ at Queer Bar on Capitol Hill, where she also hosts drag karaoke. Her bread and butter these days, though, is DJing weddings and corporate events. But before spinning and singing was her full-time job, she was a CPA. I remember I'd come home from my CPA job. I'd walk in the front door, like throw my bags on the ground and cry. (laughs) I was like, this was the worst day. I was so bored. (laughs) Also sitting in there just being like, I'm weird and crazy in my head and I'm pretending to be normal. (laughs) Like It's exhausting. So um, it's cool that things like this allow us to chase passion. When Vanessa says things like this, she's talking about paid family leave. She's due any minute now with her second baby. With her first child, family planning looked a little different. Because I was so concerned about the logistics of uh, being an, an artist and raising kids. And I was like, oh, is that practical? Is that smart? So I took on a day job I didn't like. And the medical insurance was great. Paid time off was great. But what was falling to the wayside was Vanessa's true passion. This thing I loved that was always riding in the background was was being put aside. And that was a bummer. (laughs) I didn't want to be the kind of role model to my kid that's like, well, you just do what's practical, (laughs) you know, when when really like in, uh, in my head, all I wanted to be doing was playing music. So with her first child, Vanessa had her day job and DJed on the side. But two years into that job, she decided it was time to follow her heart and be a DJ full time. I took the leap. It was terrifying, uh, but it paid off huge. It was like six months later, like all my income was already back to what it was when I was salaried, just doing what I love. While she was making the same amount of money, she still wouldn't have the same benefits she had before. So when she got pregnant with her second child, Vanessa thought she needed to save a lot of money in order to be able to take time off to care for her baby. Up to December, before I heard about the new state leave program, I was saving money, like stacking away cheese for a year. But then I just found out at my last emo show uh, from one of my emo regulars, like she came and told me about it. She works for 
Moms Rising, she she was like, hey, if I this is like my passion to get people to use this program. And like, I, I was completely blown away, like so stoked to hear that I could get help in this department so I don't have to burn through savings and start over again. Starting all over again is especially hard in our growing gig economy. My job is kind of seasonal. It's like feast or famine sometimes. And um, if you just take a break, like you can slow momentum. Like part of being a working DJ is having your name out there constantly and taking two months off can really... Like, you have to rebuild again. So it's nice that I, I still have savings when things are slow on the other side coming back in. To qualify for paid family and medical leave in 2020, you have to have just worked 820 hours in 2019. That's about 16 hours a week for the full year. And that can be for one, two, three, any amount of employers. And those employers don't have to be of a certain size either. No Washington employer can opt out of this program. Well, actually, one can. The federal government. Can't tell them what to do. But beyond that, all companies of all sizes are participating. So however you put together a paycheck, you can also put together a family. This program is a complete lifesaver. I mean, I know how it's affecting me personally, but I'm just thinking uh, about everyone that works hourly. Yeah, like baristas, tattoo artists, like like all these people that aren't like doing the corporate nine to five, getting the benefits package. Like what are they supposed to do? Like this saves all of us. Vanessa is able to retroactively pay into the program to get benefits. As a self-employed contractor, she'll have to pay into the program for at least three years. But because of this new paid family leave law, she'll be able to take four months off to care for her new child. She will be paid for this time, but not at a full rate. Before this program, Vanessa wouldn't have been able to take any pay time off. It was really something only reserved for parents who worked at companies. This program is not just for freelancers. It's also helping parents working full-time at companies. And it's even helping a lot of companies. Uh, my name is Rachel Ratner, and I'm a musician in the band Wimps, and then I'm a software engineer as my day job. Rachel plays guitar and sings for Wimps. In 2019, Rachel played a handful of shows pregnant, balancing her guitar on her baby bump. The last show she played, she was eight months pregnant. Today, Rachel is balancing her daughter Hazel on her lap in her living room, enjoying her last days of paid family leave. At her tech company, Rachel was able to take four months fully paid for maternity leave. Super gratitude and thankful that I'm so thankful that my job gave me paid leave. I know so many people that don't have that. Um, and the way my company's doing it, they're kind of supplementing it with the state leave. So the state leave's paying a percentage and then um, they're kind of topping it off to get to my full salary, which is awesome. Rachel was able to take her employer's parental leave benefits after her baby was born. But now that the program has gone into effect, if anything happens to Hazel in 2020, getting sick, needing to go to the doctor's appointments, or anything like that, Rachel will be able to claim paid family leave. She'll get fully paid days off when she needs to care for her child. She doesn't have to use her work's PTO. Rachel's been a full-time mom for these past months. But once she gets into the swing of things with her new balance of working and momming, Rachel will add music making back into the mix. I'm breastfeeding her like every three hours and it's like even, you know, I don't have a lot of time to, to do music the way I want to. So I have like tons of ideas I've written down, but I, I, I haven't had more than 20 minutes to myself to shower, you know, so I just haven't been able to be a musician at this very moment. I definitely have like a whole idea for like an EP about like being a parent and stuff like that. Um, and as soon as I have the time to do it, like I'll do it. Um, but it's definitely changed my priorities in the pure like having the physical time to be able to do it. Hey, Lord, I ain't-
paid family leave program should be in full swing, helping freelancers and company workers alike. But there have been some roadblocks. If you applied to the program when it first started, there was an estimated wait time of two weeks until you were notified if you were accepted into the program. But the state of Washington has been inundated with applications. They saw 30,000 applications in just six weeks. Now that wait time to know if you've been accepted into the program is up to 10 weeks, which some parents are saying is too long to wait when you're trying to plan for parental leave. My mother worked 15 hours, five days a week. My mother worked 16 hours, six days a week. My mother worked 17 hours, seven days a week. The best way to scare a toy is to read and get rich. The best since these interviews, Vanessa has had her baby, a little boy named Freddie. She's already back to the turntables, playing music in her home while Freddie is strapped to her chest. Rachel's back at work at her tech job, and her mother has moved to Seattle to help care for Hazel, which Rachel says is a huge help for their family. And in the name of full disclosure, I am also pretty pregnant. I plan on applying for a paid family and medical leave as soon as my own baby arrives. For KXP's Sound and Vision, I'm Rachel Stevens. And by the way, Washington is one of nine states that has a paid family leave law. The other ones include California, Oregon, Connecticut, Massachusetts, New Jersey, New York, Rhode Island, as well as Washington, D.C. This is Sound and Vision. Soccer Mommy released a new album the other week. album is called Color Theory. Sophie Allison of Soccer Mommy joins me now to talk about how she organized the album into different colors and moods. Hello. Hey, what's up? So describe how this album is divided into different colors and moods. You might not catch that if you just listen to the album. Describe how this album is organized and why you decided to kind of latch onto the ideas of colors to organize the record. Yeah, so the album is split into three parts that are represented by colors, you know, our different moods. It starts with blue, which is sadness and depression, loneliness, and moves on to yellow, which is about anxiety and paranoia and mental illness, along with, like, physical illness, you know, um, specifically my mother's and seeing that. And the last part is gray, which is just a kind of dark ending about, like, emptiness and fear of death and fear of the future and aging and loss of, you know, different parts of yourself. And I kind of decided to split it up like this when I was, you know, a couple songs into the album, I started to get the idea because I was writing in these very different themes, I guess. Uh, And they felt they weren't, weren't just uh, contextually different, but they were like felt very different. So that's when I kind of felt like I was separating them into different like groups of like, these ones are kind of the same thing and these are kind of about the same thing. And these are kind of about the same thing and they do flow into one another, but they are very different, you know, segments. And as I wrote the album, I kept perfecting the idea until I had this like color section 
theme in my mind. So it was kind of, you know, developed gradually along with the record. Yeah, I want to kind of break down like tracks from each of these sections. So let's start with the blue section, which is what where the album starts off with. So the first track, um, Bloodstream, again, represents the color blue. And in it, you kind of speak of, you know, nostalgic scenes from your childhood. Also in the song, you mention how you are blue emotionally. And the following tracks, you know, in this blue section talk about, you know, kind of issues with depression or mental health. And we talk a lot about mental health here on KEXP. And I'm curious, how would you describe how mental health issues or depression has been a part of your life? You know, I think it's been a part of my life for the past, like, almost like 10 years probably, at least. Well, I mean, really, like, dealing with things like OCD has been a problem with me since I was a little kid. But I think that I've kind of developed these problems with falling into moods really deeply as I got older. And um, specifically, you know, sometimes it'd be depressive episodes where I felt just, like, didn't feel like doing absolutely anything. I would stay in bed for a long time and not see anyone. And um, you know, sometimes would even get suicidal. And yeah, so it's, it's been a big part of my life. But I think another big part of my life has become like, you know, working against it. And what, what have you found that works well to, to battle against issues of depression? Uh, lithium <laughs> works great. <laughs> That's the first one. Um, <laughs> no, but I think just like seeking, you know, help professionally is because I, I honestly don't, you know, people might say, just talk to someone, talk to your friends. And it's like, I think if you're like really dealing with stuff that clearly is not being fixed by any, like having love in your life and having things that you care about and all that, I think, you know, trying to get professional help if you can afford it um, is the best thing you can do. Yeah, absolutely. So the album goes on and then we hit this yellow section and you have the song, Yellow is the Color of Your Eyes. what this song is about that song is specifically about being on tour and being away and my mom has had cancer for like 10 years and you know it's like terminal and kind of feeling like that time is slipping away even though you know in the current state she's doing well and she's like feeling good and all of her medications are working, but she is old and, you know, like kind of being away so much, I started to have this like creeping anxiety of thinking about the fact that that wasn't going to last forever. And I might wake up one day and like have wasted time where I could have had, you know, been like focusing on, you know, keeping my relationship constant, I guess.
album is the color gray that we've talked about, and that is shown most prominently in the last track called Gray Light. Looking at you, watching the shriveled flower you bloomed. I feel it too, inside the gray light of my room. Tell me about this song. That song is it's about a lot of the stuff you know that I talk about throughout the album. Um, it's about watching sickness and how that makes you question life and aging. And, you know, it's like this weird feeling of like feeling like you're, you've got your whole life ahead of you, but also it's going to be gone so quick. And also you kind of want it to be gone and you, you know, aren't happy and you don't want to, you don't know if you can make it that far and you don't know if you could survive the things that you might have pushed on you and just kind of having all these fears about the future and about life and about aging and not knowing what to do with them and feeling like you're drowning in it a little bit. Speaking with Sophie Allison of Soccer Mommy, her album Color Theory was released on February 28th. She'll perform at Numos in Seattle on April 27th. This is Sound and Vision on KEXP. I'm Emily Fox. The front woman of the band Best Coast had a hard time after she returned from tour after her last album cycle. She was using drugs and drank a lot. Then in 2017, she decided to become sober. Best Coast is now out with a new album, and the subject of sobriety is very much present in many of the songs on the record. On Friday nights, I don't spend too much time lying on the bathroom floor like I used to. The demons deep inside of me, they might have finally been set free. Best Coast stopped by KEXP for an in-studio session this week. KEXP's Cheryl Waters talked with Bethany Cosentino about her new sober life. Bethany, music's been an important part of your life, kind of your whole life, definitely since you were very young. I remember reading about you writing songs with your guitar in a notebook at your mom's house. And you said that it's kind of like therapy for you. And... After you finished your tour for California Nights, I heard that you were kind of creatively paralyzed. And I'm, I'm just jumping right <laughs> things right here. But you practically had to force yourself to begin to write again. And that sounds a little bit scary, maybe yeah. a little bit painful and confusing. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, basically, like, you know, Best Coast took off like very quickly when we when Bob and I started this band like we really didn't have any expectations for it and so I think you know when stuff sort of just like crazy for you came out and it just we were like off to the races I don't think I really ever had time to sort of process like how much my life had changed and um my identity felt so rooted to Best Coast and I really didn't know like who I was outside of the band and I think at the end of the last album cycle 
when I came home, that was like the first time that we didn't really have any like future plans. We didn't have any tours lined up. I didn't know if we were going to like go in and make another record. So all of a sudden life was just life and it all hit me like a tidal wave. And I was just like, oh, I don't know like who I am and how to do this. And so it was just like really hard because I did have a lot to say, but I just didn't feel like I could get it out. And and yes, like writing being sort of a primary tool for me in terms of like getting out my thoughts and my feelings, like not being able to do that through song was very hard for me. And then, um, you know, it sort of like slowly started to come back and started to work. But that that period for me was really was really intense for sure. It sounds like you didn't really have the coping skills no. to navigate, you know, the success that you achieved and what you were going through. And so to help you navigate that, you self-medicated. And when did you realize that it was important for you to become sober? Um, I mean, I kind of like always knew that the way in which I like used drugs and alcohol was probably not like a cool way. <laughs> like I was kind of always like, I don't really know if this is like you know, the way it's supposed to be done. But I don't know. I think like around the time that I got sober, which was in 2017, November of 2017, was sort of like when I finally just realized like what I'm doing isn't really helping me. And there were like a lot of things and factors in my life that were sort of, that felt very tied to that. And so it was kind of for me really about like just detaching from a lot of stuff in my life and moving forward. And sobriety was like a huge part of that. Um, So yeah. You know, Always Tomorrow is embedded with a lot of positivity, and it definitely reflects your current lifestyle changes. And you've said in the past that drinking had numbed you. And how has sobriety affected how you've approached or connect with music? Um, I mean, I think it's like, for me, like being sober is really just a like the way in which I view the world, the way in which I approach things, the way in which I like engage with people is so different because my whole viewpoint of life is different. You know, like I'm a lot, I feel like I'm a lot nicer. I'm like a lot happier. I I definitely like still struggle with human emotions because I'm, am that I'm a human, but I just feel like the way in which I've learned to sort of like approach the world through this lens of sobriety has been really helpful for me in terms of performing. Um, I feel like a lot more connected to the songs. I feel a lot more connected to my voice. I feel a lot more connected to the audience. Like, it's just a whole different ballgame for me now. The first song that you wrote for this record that finally came was the one you just performed, Mm -hmm. and and everything has changed. And tell us a little bit about that, kind of a prophetic song you've said. Yeah, I mean, I think at the time that I wrote it, like, I had just moved into this house, and so therefore... kind of felt like my life had changed because I had like moved locations and so it felt like enough of a spark to sort of encourage me to write a song about change but when I actually really listened to the lyrics like none of the stuff that I was talking about was real like I had not quit drinking I was not happy like I was not waking up next to somebody every day like feeling like oh I'm so happy to be with you like that was not how my life looked at all so I think it was just kind of like I don't know if it was like the energy like something in the song just it came out in this way that when I listen back to it now, I actually really connect to the message of the song and to the energy of the song. I used to drink Nothing but water and whiskey Now I think Those were the reasons why I used to fall Deep down in a hole I used to crawl All the way back 
I'm struck by the title, Always Tomorrow, and there's a lot of hope and resilience in just those two words. What, what, what's that title mean for you? Well, there's a song on the album called Master of My Own Mind in which um, the, there are lyrics that say, for me, there's always tomorrow, even when I'm drowning in my sorrows. And I was doing um, a type of therapy called cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, which sort of helps you harness like your anxiety. And it, it, for me, like it was really helpful in learning how to manage my anxiety because I used to just be such an anxious mess all the time. And so that song to me was kind of like um, about sort of like, reclaiming your own mind and sort of like pulling back the curtain of like what's actually in here and getting in there and like digging deep and finding stuff out and that line always tomorrow or that line that lyric um I think for me like it's really about this idea that there is always a second chance whether it's you're going to do it better you're going to do it worse you're going to do it the same like you do always have tomorrow and the feelings that you feel aren't rooted in such permanence because I think that's really how I used to feel all the time was like the way that I felt was just how I was going to feel forever. What are some of the things that you take with you now touring, um, you know, with a different frame of mind, a different outlook? Um, Are you still learning that? (laughs) No, I mean, I'm actually like really having a good time. I think any of these guys that have toured with me for a while could probably say like, I'm not the same BC. (laughs) He's shaking his head like, no. Um, I don't know. I just think it's like my mindset is really different and I feel just really grateful to be doing what I'm doing 10, 10 years into this. You know, like a lot of the people that started bands around the same time as we did, like they're not really around anymore or they've moved on to do different things. And the fact that like we were able to take a five year break and just kind of come back with a new record and people are still here lifting us up like that really makes me feel excited to do this. Um, you know, I still complain like I'm a I'm a person, you know, but I do just feel a lot more connected to myself and this band and the fans. And I think that really kind of helps me get through how, you know, hard touring can be. You've always been very honest in your lyrics and in your interviews and the fans really connect with that. Have you had a lot of um, discourse with them about what's going on with you now and how's that been? Um, Yeah, I mean... I guess like, you know, so many of the interviews I'm doing now are really about the, they like sobriety comes up a lot and, you know, sort of like how I've changed really comes up a lot. And I think like I get messages pretty much every day from fans and, and people out in the world that are saying like watching me and watching my growth has really influenced them or inspired them. I do get messages from people that say like you inspired me to get sober, which for me is like really cool and you know I think at the end of the day like if the music that we're making is affecting people in any which way like then I think we've done our jobs that was Bethany Cosentino of Best Coast their new album is out now it's called Always Tomorrow Fantagram released their fourth studio album on Friday it's called Ceremony it's filled with lots of high powered songs like In a Spiral Into Happiness, into happiness. and Pedestal. 
Fantagram's Josh Carter adds, And there's some really psychedelic moments, and we did some sort of wordplay and uh, word association. You can hear that wordplay in the song Gaunt Kids. Elvis, nature, king, don't make believe, pain, body, bang. Out of my credit, awesome player, major league, axis, swinging, heartless, The shortest and one of the slower tracks on the album is called News Today. Fanagram's Sarah Barthel says that track was a reflection on all the suicides, overdoses, and school shootings that have been in the news cycle over the past few years. And seeing those those names and those faces on, on the news and thinking that the thought of somebody knowing that person, seeing that person's name and face and seeing that they died is kind of what the song means to me. Barthel's sister died from suicide while Fantagram was writing and recording their last album. This record was a way for Barthel and Carter, who's been a friend since childhood, to process their lives after loss. Yeah, in general, also like processing what it's like to live a normal life again. Yeah, and to live without her. Fantagram has been releasing music for a decade now. They spent eight of those years touring and on the road, which means their personal belongings are in storage and, in a way, their emotions, too. This album has been a way to process life. Being home and not being busy and on the road and, like, there's just so much going on. That it, it, there's a lot of things you don't realize, maybe, that you're, you're not dealing with until it all stops. Barthel says that idea of not having time to unwind and reflect shows up in their song, In a Spiral. I mean, a lot of the themes around this, these songs kind of have this, like, snake-eating-its-own-tail kind of theme. Repetitiveness and spiraling, and you can't get out of that spiral if you can't change it. That pattern, then things can get completely overwhelming. I think In a Spiral kind of has that pretty well-known theme um, in it because it's basically explaining that. I think you don't know if you're getting chased or if you're chasing something or you don't know where the beginning or the end is. That was Sarah Barthel and Josh Carter of Fantagram. Their latest album, Ceremony, was released on Friday. This is Sound and Vision. Since Sunday was International Women's Day, I opened up this week's listener question to women in the music industry and asked what their International Women's Day anthem is and why. I'm every woman, Shaka Khan. Easy. That's Sassy Black. Because I was like, I can cast a spell <laughs> all up in your face. And then she just like belting. And then the Whitney Houston version is really good. I just like literally love this song because it's like, it's all in me. It's like, there's no worry in that song. You know, Pacific Northwesters are like, no worries, no worries. 
That song is like the epitome of like, I handle the thing. Don't question me. Like, I'm out here killing it. And I'm not even doubting myself. We also asked Natalie Walker about her International Women's Day anthem. Walker is the founder of Seattle's Rain City Rock Camp. Thinking about this year's International Women's Day, I think Queens by the Seattle band Hotels is right in line with what we're talking about. It is There is a, a message. So the vocalist is local musician Audra Boo, who is also the ladies rock camp director at Rain City Rock Camp. The lyrics have this message that I think is just right in line with what International Women's Day means, which is celebrating your own queen level of awesomeness and calling others in instead of calling them out, but calling them into your table and asking them to do the work themselves to join you at that level. And so I just think that's so cool. Um, and I think it's there's also this message of self and community empowerment, which is what we're all about. My name is Rachel Flotard. I uh, had a band called Vis Queen and traveled around and played lots of rock and roll music. I morphed into becoming an, an artist manager. I manage a musician named Nico Case. Flotard says, especially this year, she's thinking about Kim Shattuck of the Muffs and her song From Your Girl. Kim passed away this year from ALS and... I have a close relationship with that band, and the Muffs bassist, Ronnie Barnett, was also in Visqueen for a spell, and they had taken us on tour. And Kim was just, she was such a powerhouse, and she, she dedicated her life to making people crack up, and she was an incredible musician and songwriter. And so I would kind of want people to listen to that kind of power and that kind of bravery and persistence until the very, very end. So she's my inspiration for, uh, for Women's Day. Ask Bethany Cosentino of Best Coast what her International Women's Day anthem is. Strong Enough by Cheryl Crow. 
because that song is about trying to find somebody that is strong enough to handle you. And I think that like that is something that I come across in my dating life is like usually like I'm a very like I'm allowed, you know, like I'm very opinionated. I have very much like a strong, bold personality. And I think sometimes men are they're like intimidated by that, you know, and I think like that song has always really like connected to me in a way where I'm like, yeah, I'm feel like I'm constantly asking that question every time I'm like dating somebody or working with somebody like I'm like, are you strong enough to handle me? I don't know. I need someone strong enough. So that song is always one that like I love Cheryl Crow so much. I really, really do. She's one of my favorite um, songwriters and singers like ever of all time. And I think that song in itself is just like such an anthem for like, yeah, we're bold and we're outspoken and that's okay. But, you know, got to find someone strong enough to be with us. Because <laughs> you can't change the way I am. Are you strong enough to be my man? Lie me. I promise I'll believe. You can hear many of the voices you just heard talk about gender issues and empowerment in the music industry. We posted a story on KEXP.org. Look for the article titled Northwest Women on Their Experience in the Music Industry and Hopes for the Future. Okay, now on to the final question of the show. Why does music matter? Here's Soccer Mommy. To me, number one is it pays my bills. But also, (laughs) I think art in general matters a lot. Um, I think it comforts people. I think it confronts them with things I think it can kind of you know bring out truths I guess um whether it's music or you know visual art or anything I feel like all art matters because it can be like rebellious and it can be confrontational and it can be comforting and it can just kind of serve a lot of purposes and like that I don't think like you know a speech always could in the same way like you know, comfort someone or confront someone with something. I think that art is important for that because it can be really personal to people. And it can also do, you know, it can also go beyond that and like reach like political spheres and um, stuff like that. So yeah, I think it just is something that can, is like a form of expression that can really move things forward and have like a mass effect. Well, that was Sound and Vision from KEXP. And by the way, KEXP is a publicly funded station. We are in the middle of our spring fun drive this week. Sound and Vision is made possible through listener support. We ask that you give a one-time $20 donation to Sound and Vision at kexp.org slash sound. You can also donate under the details section of this podcast. Your donation makes a huge impact. Also take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. But most of all, thanks so much for listening.